Welcome to Behind the Screens. I'm Ryan Preventure from Movio. And I'm Matthew Liebman from Vista Group. And I'm Simon Burton from Numero. Good to be back with you two gentlemen this week. It's been a long time. Uh, where were you most recently? Uh, I was in Bangkok attending the Cine Asia convention last week and then got back, back home on Friday. Before that, I was over in, in Australia for a couple of weeks. Nice. And we're going to have a bit of a round table with some of our colleagues from uh, Vista and Movio later on to get all the ins and outs of um, Cine Asia. And you're part of that round table. But any any anecdotes that, that don't fit the mold of our more professional round tables you'd like to share some? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think I want to share those. What I would say, it was, it was, it was great... Uh, Great to be back at Cine Asia. I think it had been away for, for a few years and really well attended. That was one reservation I had going in. But the Film Expo, Expo's group pulled off a great convention, over 500 delegates there. And, uh, yeah, it was a really, really great few days there at, at a new venue in, uh, in Bangkok. Excellent. So, look, this is the quiet before the storm. We'll jump into the numbers in a second. But, of course, uh, with no major new releases and, and everyone holding fire until Avatar Way of Water this week, uh, the numbers were pretty soft. So, Simon, why don't you tell us just how soft they were and we'll end on a high note where you can share how um, Avatar's looking for next week. But let's get through the, the downside to enjoy the upside at the end. Yeah, one of the poorer weekends at the domestic box office for 2022 this past weekend. Um Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, still in the number one position. So that's five weeks running at number one, which is the first movie to do that at the domestic box office since the first Black Panther. But it did pass the $400 million mark domestically. It's up to about $770 million globally. Uh, a couple of limited releases that hit screens this weekend in North America. A huge screen average, the best for 2022 for The Whale which released on six screens at a screen average of 60,000 per site, which uh, eclipsed everything everywhere all at once from back in March, which had a $50,000 screen average. And that one looks like it's all set for the awards, Buzz. Um, you know, I guess this is the reason they got it out on a few screens on the East and West Coast, but the, the buzz on Brendan Fraser seems to be the biggest thing since uh, George of the Jungle. The, I think one of the things about this movie is that it will be interesting to see how how it does as it expands uh, to more theaters. It does have a crowd pleasing ending, I've been told, but uh, does it does it really fit the mold of one that does well on two thousand screens eventually? And it hasn't gotten a lot of best picture kind of looks right now. It's more on him, so it'll be interesting to kind of see where the movie ends up uh, landing when once it does start expanding, probably in you know January, end of this month, January. And I'm loving all of those puns about where it lands and um, expansion and, and all of that as well. I'm sure all of those were unintended there, Ryan. They actually were until you just said that. So thank you, Matthew. So um, what else was out there in this quiet week, Simon? Empire of Light, uh, I guess Strange World, second week. None of these are, are particularly, you know, Hollywood endings for, for want of a better phrase. No, it was just a, a bunch of, I guess we were, we're trying to find the, the silver lining here. They were just some strong holds for the top 10 films, right? Um, Violent Night only dropped 35% from its opening weekend, um, standing at a cube of nearly $27 million for that title, which I, I think is a pretty pretty strong result. I don't think there'll be much more in it when Avatar hits on, on Friday. 
for a movie like Violent Night is a good one. That's a that's a that's a reasonably good drop for a hard action comedy movie to drop only forty percent. I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's a tremendous drop. Even Strange World only dropped twenty nine percent. And it did that losing six hundred and fourteen screens. So um, that's that's I guess an element of silver lining. I guess the little star in the list is the menu, which you know keeps on keeping on. Twenty two percent drop and and approaching thirty mil in the domestic market for a film that's a little hard to put your finger on uh, as to what sort of movie you're going to go see. Um, but it just keeps on ticking on. So as Ryan was talking about the whale and you know what's landing. What we do have coming in is uh, from the way of water, a, a bunch of nine foot blue people next week. Ryan's just rubbing his eyes here as, as I've tried my best to segue from one nautical creature to another. But let's leave that aside for a moment. And Simon, the most important part is what are the audiences looking like? You know, is this thing going to be as big as we hope? Is it going to be more of a slow burn? What are you seeing? Uh, yeah, looking at the, the pre sales here, Matthew, five days out. Uh, specifically in North America, uh, extremely strong. So hoping for, for a huge result this weekend. Uh, if we look at some comp titles on those, those pre-sales, we see that uh, five days out from release, they're about 20% ahead of The Batman, which took an opening weekend gross of $135 million um, and slightly before behind Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which opened to, what, 181 million US. Um, so we'll see if that can close the gap on that, which is a very, very small gap at the moment, um, to have hopefully an opening weekend in that, that sort of range of around 180 million US dollars. Ryan, um, we talked a little bit about the audience last week. Has it evolved much? And, and even if it hasn't, maybe it's worth just giving a high level recap for people who mightn't have tuned in last week. Yeah. So again, a lot, not a lot has changed, but there's been a little bit that I think is worth worth noting here. Again, the comps are, are what you would imagine, which was Avatar: The Re-Release, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, Black Adam, Thor, Doctor Strange sequel, Spider-Man sequel, Jurassic World sequel, and Eternals. When you look at the 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 frequency, it's actually leveled out a little bit closer than it was last week, but still looking a little bit in little, little bit different. In freak, we compared this to the re-release of Avatar. The infrequence moviegoers are 41 for Way of Water to 30% for the re-release. The occasionals are 37 to 33% uh, Way of Water to Avatar re-release. The frequents are 20 to 31%. So what, what you're kind of seeing here is that it is the infrequent people who haven't been back for a while are really excited to see this film so that's actually a pretty good sign uh that you're you're getting some of these people it just in general for the movie going audience we're getting some people that haven't been back in a while that's always that's just a good thing i think we saw a lot of that with top gun uh the people who bought one ticket is 15 percent to 29 percent for the avatar re-release what i think that shows is that people are really kind of interested in going in groups or as a couple the two tickets is about the same as is three to four tickets is 29 percent for Way of Water and 22% for the Avatar re-release. So as you can imagine, the Avatar re-release wasn't necessarily everyone was jumping around to see. So buying three to four tickets or something like that was going to be a little uncommon. But again, the five plus tickets is 15% of the audience compared to 5%. That is a really, again, we talked about this last week, is a really, really, really good sign that people are going in groups and hopefully that'll expand as this week progresses. And it's leveled out a tiny bit more 
Females are 39 to 37% for uh, Way of Water compared to the re-release, 61 and 63% for uh, the comparison for males. So pretty much pretty much the same of what you're seeing there, and that the ethnicity is the same for both films. Again, I think this is looking good. I'm hoping for a really big opening because the industry, the studio industry, and the exhibitors really need this film to perform and have legs going on to January and possibly even February. Yeah, look, I, I fully hear you. I, I'm increasingly confident that um, this will have that slower burn. It'll come out with the great reviews. We saw some of the tweets coming out of the first screenings, the official reviews, and of course, audience word of mouth are yet to hit. But I think they're probably fighting at the moment a perception of, can I give up over three hours in the lead up to Christmas? As people come out and say, you've never seen anything like this on screen, which hopefully they'll do if the tweets from that London premiere hold true, then post Christmas and well into the new year, hopefully we see this thing ticking over, much like the first one did as well. It got a Golden Globe nomination for Best Picture Drama. I don't know how much that matters, but you know, clearly it, it's, it's going to get some awards recognition as the weeks progress, which for some people is a big deal. The footage that, that Disney shared at Cine Asia of Avatar Way of Water looked incredible. The underwater scenes were, yeah, they, they were spectacular. So I can't wait to, to see the, the entire film. Uh, yeah, really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I've got my tickets for this weekend. I guess we'll all regroup for our last show of the year next week. Uh, where we'll be able to break down the audience and the numbers and you know here's hoping christmas comes early but simon as you alluded to you're up in bangkok last week uh you're uh, attending cine asia the first one held uh in four years after three cancellations uh why don't we go to the round table and and hear from you and from our colleagues at vista and movio about what was happening up at the trade show oh let's do that matt that sounds great Alrighty, so the last three Cine Asias have been cancelled. We had one in Hong Kong due to the, the protests that occurred in that country uh, back a few years ago, and then, of course, two as a result of COVID. But the industry got back together in Bangkok last week, and I wanted to get some of the Vista Group attendees who were there for a bit of a, a lowdown roundtable of the event. So joining me today, along with Simon, who this time is going to be somebody answering questions rather than asking them, is Tan Naronga, who's the general manager APAC for Vista Entertainment. Uh, his offsider, Bobby Bennett, senior sales and account manager, and Richard Greenwood, who's the regional director for APAC and LATAM for Movio. Gents, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks, man. So let's jump right on in. You all live and breathe this region. And generally speaking, and not just about the conference to start with, I'd be keen to hear what you think of the state of the industry right now. Uh, can you generalize or are you seeing different experiences for different countries? Uh, Tom, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I, um, yeah, Asia is an interesting market. It's, you know, things are still relatively tough in Southeast Asia. Mm. Um, you know, Asia was one of the, the, the regions that came out of COVID relatively late. So, you know, a lot of, of a lot of the different regional territories that are still getting back on their feet. So still very, very, very tough. You know, some of the markets are still seeing less than 50% of, of business from 2019. Some of them have bounced back much better. Uh, markets like India um, have seemed to bounce back relatively well. Um, it took a few decent, you know, decent temple titles for them to really get moving. Um, but in general, there's still a lot of recovery yeah. in Asia. But a lot of positivity, uh, you know, and, and looking forward to a bright future, but things are tough. Yeah, yeah. And Richard, you know, when we've looked at, at COVID around the world, 
there's sometimes been a difference performance between what Vista does and what Movio does, because of course you can't sell tickets, but you can still engage and communicate with people. Have you seen something slightly different in any territories from the Movio side and the marketing and comms side, as opposed to the ticket selling and operations side? Yeah, look, I think um, from 2010 onwards, uh, Asia in general saw massive growth in the cinema market, huge amounts of investments, some really strong blockbusters from some uh, really big tentpole markets. Um, and having that shift to a, a, an era where there's less so, there's less content, mm. uh, that there's there's less investment, there's less capital available, there's less opening of new cinemas, um, has been a real change in the way they have to view their business. So it's less about growing through uh, investment and more about connecting to audiences um, using you know, the right tools. Yeah. And so looking at the conference itself, maybe Bob, you could kick us off. What were the key things that stood out for you, either on the main agenda or what you were hearing in meetings in the corridors? Yeah, I think the one thing that um, really stood out is that in the last, in, in, in this 2022, the, the local films have really shown. Um, so there's been a lot of gaps in the, in the year from between, between major Hollywood releases and some of the local content has really surprised people. Mm. There's been some really standout ones that, um, that were highlighted at the show. Um, did did extremely well. One of them, I think, it was called Markilau in um, in Malaysia, that broke multiple box office record. Actually, beat beat a lot of the Hollywood records as well. Mm. Um, came out came out of nowhere and just just sort of uh, really showed that the local producers and distributors are, um, are working really really hard to sort of you know, fill the gaps in the market. So really good to see. Does that look sustainable? You know, is, are they just um, biding their time until the blockbusters come back, or is this maybe a new? Era for the industry, it it almost felt like it's a, it it is a bit of a shift. Yeah, um, they've they've seen that the percentage of local films have suddenly like started to increase over the year, um, and they've actually they've certainly seen a shift. And I think they're going to start putting in more money into that sort of uh, that area. Yeah, uh, and also the regional content is working well in other regions. Um, South Indian films doing really well in North India because mm -hmm. people watch you know some uh, a few snippets of someone in South Indian film and go, I want to follow that guy. Yeah, yeah. So, and the demand's growing that way. Same with across countries, you know, Thai movies are doing well somewhere else, Malaysian movies are doing somewhere else. So, um, so it's really good to see, and yeah. I think it's it is a trend that we we're going to start seeing yeah, more of. Probably one of the one of the benefits that have come out of quite tough times is, mm. I think, in the future people will be more open to consuming more regional content. It feels that way. Um, you know, taking an example from India, you know, everybody sees streaming as a threat, mm. but what they're saying is that because of the streaming platforms. Now, if I consume Hindi content, for example, once I get to the end of the catalogue of the Hindi content, yeah. I start watching Telugu, I start watching Tamil, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm following these stars from other regional, yeah. um, from other regional territories, and then all of a sudden, when their new content comes in, they're seeing people go to the cinema to see those. You know, it's, it's obviously just broadening the horizons of different consumers. Well. That's a great point. So almost the Squid Games example, but written through each of the local countries. I think what's really important over that COVID period too was to keep brands and content alive. Yeah. You know, if, uh, you know, the reason why the, the Marvel series went so well for the, uh, the Avengers series, sorry, mm. um, was because they had a constant flow of movies keeping you engaged with that piece of content and with that story. And that was supported by streaming of different series and, um, you know, smaller pieces of content just to keep that moving along. Yeah. So I think that less of a reliance on a tentpole movie dra dragging you in rather than, you know, an ongoing connection with your moviegoer through content. Yeah, right. Hey, Simon, you've been to just about every major trade show around the world. So you've got a global perspective here. How did Cine Asia feel different to Cine Europe or CinemaCon or, or did it? Yeah, absolutely. I think 
clearly it's the the slowest region to rebound right i think in every every meeting i was having with distributors and studios they, they were pointing that out that a number of markets i guess most specifically thailand and philippines uh have been very slow to rebound versus 2019 figures so they're talking more in the the 30s the high 30 percent numbers of, of 2019 results as opposed to more 50s and 60s in in other parts of the world that we've been to so um as bobby touched on there that the, the local content has helped give those results but without the steady flow of, of hollywood content they're, they're not going to get back to those those 2019 numbers anytime soon it's mm. just you know there's there's still a fear of coming back to the theater some segments of the of the audience and you know i suppose you know they're hoping that some of the bigger content that's coming through the, the likes of avatar will help people come back to mm. the cinema right and, and re-experience the magic of the movie so some of the key things coming through is if we get them back and we need to make sure that that customer experience is right yeah that's a really good point as i was doing some research for this i saw a variety article and the first sentence there was the decision making behavior of cinema audiences has been altered by the more than two-year COVID era and not just by streaming uh, executives at the convention said it remains to be seen whether exhibitors and distributors can keep pace with a pickier and more easily distracted clientele. Now, this does seem a bit downbeat, but what was the tone at the conference around experience and what needs to be done, you know, once they come back to see Avatar? Yes, it's interesting because the opening address kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, people are consuming so much content on their phones mm -hmm. and personal devices now, and that, you know, there's a generation of, you know, audiences out there that are just constantly glued to their device. I think, I don't know if that's 100% accurate, mm. right? I think, you know, look, everybody's using the device. But, you know, I think we, we need to embrace that rather than see that as a threat. You know, and I think, you know, the fact of the matter is people are going to pick up their device during the film. So what kind of, you know, how can you facilitate additional components of the experience? And it's, it's just going to be the future. People will use their device in the cinema. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't see it as much of a threat as, you know, it's just a reality now. We mm. just have to live with it. I think another theme in that one I heard as well, Tan, in some of our early meetings with the bigger customers was the need to uh, continue to invest in the assets they have rather than building new assets. Yep. You know, is how to maximise um, the, the revenue they can draw from, you know, premium offerings and premium seating and premium service uh, as opposed to just more cinemas, more mm. cinemas. Mm. Was there much around the marketing? Um, did you hear new ways of wanting to do things than they had before? Well, it was more general, I think, mm. you know, and I didn't go to a number of the, the sessions, but, you know, things like the Amy Andress talked a lot about the ability to engage, re-engage yeah. with customers. How do you reconnect, right? And, and that was one of the core themes and, you know, make sure that the experience is right. And it's not just the in-cinema experience, but it's also the digital assets as well. Yeah. You know, if I go to your app, that app needs to open, it needs to be responsive. The websites need to, you know, have an experience. Mm. And an interesting observation that uh, one of the guys made at the opening sort of address as well is that duration is becoming a key thing now too. As the films are getting longer and longer, um, they were just sort of, and, and people's attention span seems to get shorter and shorter with all of the content they're consuming on their phones, their, the TikTok videos and all of those things. They're, people are just wanting to watch something, grab their attention and move to the next one. Yeah. Um, but when you have a three, four hour film, it has to be a real you know, blockbuster to get you off your seat and bring you into the, into the cinemas, right? Um, so they were saying that, you know, one of the advice given to the, the general advice was keep the duration of a film in mind, you know, if yeah. you have to split it into split it into, but keeping 
having big long films is not generally uh, a great thing. Plus, you don't can't run that many shows in a day. Yeah, yeah. So, We're about to see that tested this weekend. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but if anything can work that. Avatar Way of Water will fix that, won't it, Bobby? Yeah, <laughs> sure will. I think the other one we noticed too was there was a um, there's been some investment in Asia in uh, digital assets when it comes to things like ticketing, um, and not just in the cinemas, um, but they've seen real pressure on things like being just alluded to apps crashing or ticket services collapsing, uh, and not being able to follow through on the promise mm. of you know mass tickets delivered via a digital uh, medium. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to see some real pressure on that to continue to change things. I mean, COVID's obviously moved a lot of people towards self-service, right? Mm-hmm. So technology consumption has changed significantly. People aren't lining up in big queues anymore. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about things like you know, the box office and, sorry, mm-hmm. the, the concession counters that are reducing the queues there. So, um, you know, there will be a, an, a continued focus on technology. Yeah, yeah. One of the, the other comments I saw, maybe Richard, this is more aimed for you initially, was the VP South Asia at Universal Pictures calling for greater use of data, greater involvement by exhibitors in movie marketing, and better sharing between exhibitors and distributors. And in some ways that echoes other things we've heard at other trade shows, but what can you add to that based on your meetings and, and observations? I think the, the, the real message there is it's, it's new for that conversation to be um, held in Asia. So. Mm-hmm across the US and Australia, where I've had a, um, a fair bit to do with both markets, the the sentiment around sharing and the need to share more data has been there for a long time, but Asia, that hasn't been part of the conversation. Mm. Um, so I think what's what's uh, echoing is the need to do more with less. So uh, studio marketing teams are leaner, cinema marketing teams are leaner, uh, the amount of uh, available audience is currently smaller. So. Uh, across the board, the desire to make sure that there's uh, accurate targeting, uh, really focused marketing efforts on uh, both re-engaging cinema goers and getting them to come back again and again. Mm. Um, it's the, the real lesson is it's starting to reflect the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, I was talking to somebody in the industry earlier this week who was saying, you know, with lower box office from some of these titles, they have to make a go-no-go decision whether to release it or not. And a lot of that has to do with the, the ad spend. Mm. So the traditional way and level of budget is not something that can entertain in some countries anymore. And I guess if exhibitors and distributors can work together and you're spending less or more effectively than under historic ways of marketing or launching films, mm. that becomes almost existential as well. Do you get the movie at all? Yeah. Not just how big does it open? So, yeah. Um, Simon, what were you hearing in terms of, because um, you possibly would have spent more time on the studio side around data or around how um, exhibitors should be partnering with studios and, and vice versa? Was there much that you were you were seeing there? Yeah, there's certainly a bigger push now for more, uh, specifically on the box office reporting front, a number of these markets still use uh, theatre checkers to get their, their estimates a few times a day on the box office front. But uh, We've certainly got the technology to improve that. Um, Supi from Universal Pictures, I know you just referred to her as the VP of Southeast Asia, Matt. Perhaps that's because she's got 17 letters in her surname. Uh, but Supi Rathana Moncolmus, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, is certainly a huge advocate on getting that uh, that box office data reported from the exhibitors um, in, in real time so they have access to that, that information. Um, in a more timely fashion than what they're currently doing in a number of the markets that, that she manages. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, some of the things we were seeing here, um, again, some of the quotes I, I heard coming out, I'd love you to, to elaborate, came from the director of Shaw Cinemas in Singapore, as well as the CEO of Golden Screen in Malaysia, who was talking, both of them talking about exhibitors needing to drive the habit. And, you know, you've talked a little bit about technology, but we'd like to see if there are other ways that you can see technology helping to drive the habit. Now, some of that can be advanced marketing and some of it can be giving an outstanding experience once you hit the, the front door yeah, or uh, the remote assets. I, I think it's, you know, there's, there's several ways and one of them is very, very simple. Mm. It's price. Mm -hmm. right? We saw the National Cinema at Days do amazing things to get people back into cinema in some markets. Yeah. I don't know of any markets other than India that did the National Cinema Day. And obviously they, you know, they had really cheap prices, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and using, you know, price is definitely a lever to, to incite or initiate, you know, a visit back to the cinema. Mm. So, you know, I think using some of the promotional pricing tools that are available to, you know, in, in line with, you know, some of the engagement tools can really reach out to specific untapped markets and get them back. Yep. Yeah. And, and I'll add to promoting the right content. You know, we, we, we said at the start of this uh, conversation around the success they've had with regional films and uh, regional content and how I've had some of them actually break records and, and beat Hollywood blockbusters. So mm. making sure the right content's being delivered to the audiences who would more likely to consume it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we're going into the Christmas season and I know you would have had a lot of meetings and might have seen some of the more formal studio presentations, but to the extent you saw some content, what jumped out for you and what do you think might resonate most, particularly in this region, level and globally? So I, I saw all of it and I've seen a little bit of it this year. Um, and I'm actually pretty buoyed by the, the stability, I think I'll call it, of the slate throughout to 2023. Mm. Had a big low in 2022, and especially in Q3, with not a lot of content. And I feel like it's quite constant through the year, so that'd be mm. my first comment. Um, and my standout, though, was uh, Dungeons & Dragons from Paramount. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think the reason why I highlight it's not, not necessarily going to be the uh, the greatest movie anyone's ever seen, but I think it's uh, it's got a lot more to it than I thought it was going to have. Dungeons um, and Dragons. It's got Dungeons <laughs> and it's got Dragons. No, no, it's. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with it and how they how they market it. I think it's uh, it's a bit funnier and it's a mm. bit more of an adventure movie. Yeah, and it focuses on the segment. You know, mm. that, you know, tw tw twenty years ago, where a lot of the nerds would play Dungeons and Dragons, and they yeah. were remember that joy, right? Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to how they're going to find Maybe the edit out the nerds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was almost going to say, so it's going to sell well in this building. I agree. Yeah. I think Paramount's going to have a, have an interesting time finding the wider audience to the movie and not just the diehard Dungeons and Dragons fans, because I think it deserves it. It looks like it's going to be a really fun movie and, and really quite interesting. Excellent. So Bobby, yeah. what jumped out for you? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously the, the big ones like Mission Impossible was you mm. know, everyone's sort of it was sitting at the edge of the seat when they were watching Tom do the stunts and things. But um, I, I'm generally not a horror fan, but I thought Evil Dead Rise just yeah. looked incredible. Visually, it just looked it was super graphic yeah and i, I think close my have, eyes for most of that yeah i think i think it'll definitely have most people you know sort of holding on to their seats i I'm probably you know i don't know if i know if i can sit through a, the the session but it looks it looks it incredible it, it does seem that horror is kind of having this you know this yes, yeah. genesis i mean this renaissance um, renaissance yes mm. that's the word and um yeah, I mean, there was so much horror content out there. It pop, the Pope's exorcist looked pretty good as well with uh, oh, Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow. Yeah. yeah, and Russell yeah. Crowe's immaculate he looked Italian good. accent. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Better than Jared Leto? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> and Berto, yours is Barbie, isn't it? But not because of Margot Robbie, more because it just reminded you of your childhood? 
Uh, yeah, spot on, Matt. Can't wait for, for Barbie next year. Um, funnily enough, the, the two that I had jotted down were Dungeons and & Dragons and The Pope's Exorcist. So it's funny how we're all on the same page there. Is that because you look a little bit like Chris Pine? Uh, yeah, look, I did lean that way. I, I thought you were going to make a gag on that when you led off with Dungeons and Dragons, Richard. I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> Another epic looks like that one. Yeah, that one looks like something else. It's one of those grand productions. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that as well. Well, what I thought was good just going around the, the traps with the four of you is um, you haven't picked the obvious ones, um, which again, I guess, shows um, that there is diversity and depth to the slate. And yeah, we'll look for the Mission Impossibles and the Indies and so on. But Dungeons wasn't on my radar. No. Um, I had somebody else so just tell me that the Flash is the goods and and more than they expected. So yeah, look, I think the Flash looks actually quite interesting too. It looks like they're setting up the DC universe using the Flash as the catalyst for it. So I think that will be an interesting movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, gents, thank you so much for your time today. This has been really insightful. Hopefully, we get to make it an annual event. Um, <laughs> hopefully, because Cine Asia is back to being an annual conference. So thank you again for your time. Thanks, Cheers. man. Thank Thanks, you, man. We've got a. We've really only got one movie coming out this weekend. We've got Avatar: Way of Water. It looks like it's going to dominate the box office. We hope that's going to happen for everybody. And we'll see you next week at Behind the Screens. Movio and Numerai were two of the businesses within the Vista Group, the world-leading provider of technology solutions to the global film industry. For more moviegoer insights, be sure to visit movio.co and follow Movio, Numero and Vista Group on Twitter and LinkedIn. The Behind the Screens podcast is produced by Grace Furness and edited by Patrick Hannah.